0: Let's pray and ask God to meet us in the word this morning. Thank you so much for your faithfulness as we've been able to hear testimonies shared, as we've been able to think about the cross this morning. Thank you for the free gift of forgiveness and perfect righteousness through you, Lord Jesus Christ. We love you. And Lord, we want to honor your word, the word of God. And so give us hearts that, that say yes to the scriptures today. Give me a, a heart to be in sync with your word today. Um, sensitive topic today could be misunderstood. I need your grace, Lord. And I pray that you would bring encouragement and health and strength and salvation to people. Do a mighty work, now. I pray, through the word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Good. So, uh, most of the time, here at Mercy Hill, the preaching focuses on one book of the Bible. And we start with chapter 1, verse 1, and we go verse by verse through the end of the book. And there's a lot of reasons we do that. I think it's the wisest approach. We don't do that every time, but we do that the bulk of the time. And one of the main reasons, though, we do that is because it helps ensure that what we have here is a balanced diet of spiritual food. So it's not just the same thing every Sunday or kind of my hobby horses, which, you know, I don't want to get into that, but it's so that there's a well-balanced diet of all the different truths that God wants us to study in his scriptures. And so over these last, it's been over a year now, we've been going through the book of Hebrews. And so think of the rich food we have feasted on in God's Word. We have seen that Jesus Christ is the image of God, the radiance of his glory, the exact representation of his nature, fully God and fully man, that he became a man, Jesus Christ. And he lived amongst us. And I love how he was Tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. So, what that means is that we can come to Him, and what does He do when we come to Him? Because He's been tempted in all things? He what? Sympathizes with us in our weakness. He feels it. He says, I know I was there. Come, I'll help you. Isn't that awesome? What a feast that Sunday was for our souls. And then we've seen how he has died on the cross, which means he's the perfect high priest with the complete sacrifice for our sins, past sins, present sins, future sins. What a feast. Which means, end of Hebrews chapter 4, my favorite passages in the Bible, that we can always come boldly to God's throne, because it's not a throne of judgment if we're trusting Christ, it's a throne of what? Throne of grace. Grace. And every time we come, every time we come, we will receive grace and mercy to help us in our time of need. That is beautiful. What a feast that was. And then we saw that it's crucial that we fight against unbelief in our hearts, that we need each other to help us see times when we are deceived. That's huge. We've seen that we... Obey by faith like Abraham did, which means trusting God's promises, and that we overcome temptation like Moses did by looking to the reward of all that Jesus Christ promises to be to us, which was infinitely more satisfying than any temptation we would face here. Remember Hebrews chapter 12, we saw that every trial we face is God's loving training. Loving training. Every trial we face is God's loving training for us. We saw that the way we have our hearts get strengthened is by God's grace coming to Jesus Christ. And the list just goes on and on. So this has been quite a feast. So what's on the menu for this morning? Next question. And frankly, it's a passage, it's a topic I probably wouldn't just like randomly pick to preach about. But as I've studied it, oh, I tell you, this has been I'm so thankful for just going through verse by verse because I think you're going to find this very encouraging. So let's turn to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Just one verse this morning, and I think it's going to be well worth sinking our roots deep into these words, Hebrews 13, 17. If you don't have a Bible, as we always say, raise your hand, we'd like to bring one to you to use this morning. It's crucial that you all have a Bible to look on as we're going through the scriptures the the bible's words are infinitely more important than my words my job is to help you understand these words this is this is where the, the the action is right here in the scriptures so look at what the author says in verse 17 by the way in chapter 13 what the author's doing is he's touching on specific areas that his readers were struggling with so he's going through a list of concerns like he talks about stirrup brotherly affection for each other. That had been waning. And, and to have more hospitality towards each other. And some of your brothers and sisters are in prison for their faith. Go to them, visit them, and watch out for sexual impurity. Watch out for love of money. And he's going through a list. And then look at what he says in verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls As those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So this verse is about how believers should relate to church leaders. How should believers relate to the leaders in the church? So I thought the first question we should ask is, who are the leaders in the New Testament church? Who are they? And when you read through the New Testament, what you find, first of all, is that that, that there's two offices. There are two offices, formal offices in the New Testament church. And the first is elders, which is also uh, called pastors and also called overseers. Those are all synonymous in our understanding. Like, for example, in Acts 14, 23, every church that Paul planted, he established elders. And elders are men who fit qualifications listed in First Timothy 3 and Titus chapter 1. And there's a plurality of, of elders, not just one person leading a church, but there's a plurality, there's, there's check and balance, there's accountability. So Jerry's my leader, and I'm his leader. We're, we're watching over each other's souls as we lead the church. So here the elders we have, as I mentioned, Jerry Shipp and myself, we're working hard on raising up a third one, and then Lord willing, a, a fourth one and more. So, but right now it's Jerry and me, the elders of the church. That's one formal office in the church. The second formal office is that of deacon. Not mentioned as much in the New Testament, but deacons are men and women, that's our understanding, men and women, who fulfill the qualifications described in 1 Timothy chapter 3. And what they do is they help the elders shepherd the flock. And so the deacons we have here, I think about our home groups. We've got Chris and Minglon Keener leading a home group down in the Santa Teresa area. Scott Sachs leading one over in the Coyote area. We've got Jason and Patty Madden leading a home group in, the you know, Blossom and, and Snell right in that area. We've got Ian and Maria Gregg over at Camden in 17. Dee Dee helps Jerry lead his home group. Jan helps me lead my home group. We've got David and Kate Neese who are leading the high school group. We've got the Garcias who are leading the children's ministry. Those are the deacons that are here. Okay, so with that in mind, then let's look back at verse 17. When the author says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, you should be thinking, okay, we're talking about Jerry and Steve and whoever's leading my, my ministry area, my home group, my ministry area. That, that's the specific people we're talking about here. Now, we also need to ask, what does Jesus call these leaders to do? This was so Helpful for me and encouraging for me. What are they called to do? Verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Guys, we're working on the... uh projector is that are there are guys talking over here Shh, if you guys could go do that somewhere else or just okay thank you all right all right so what are leaders called to do they're called by Jesus Christ to keep watch over your soul this is what they're called to do it's a picture of like what a shepherd does okay a shepherd loves the flock loves his sheep, knows his sheep, and if a if a sheep is wandering, like uh, moving towards like this cliff, the shepherd will go and 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 help that sheep come back. That's what the shepherd will do. The shepherd makes sure the sheep have pasture to feed on and water, clear, crisp, cold water to drink, and the shepherd will protect. The sheep from bears or from coyotes or from wolves. That's the picture in terms of watching over. There's an alertness and there's a care and there's a focus here. So Jesus Christ raises up leaders to watch over your soul. Did you know that? He wants a leader to be watching over your soul. So I listed what what might that mean? That means they get to know you, they hear your story. They learn about you. What are your needs? What are your struggles? What are your joys? What are your weaknesses? They get to know you. They think about you, your life, how you're doing. Okay? They pray for you on their knees. No one else sees, crying out to God, Lord, help them, strengthen them, comfort them, fill them, protect them, guide them, provide for them. They labor in prayer for those they're watching over when you're struggling they encourage you when you're heartbroken they comfort you when you're lazy they lovingly push you okay when you're wandering they will lovingly correct you when you're growing doing strong they will bless you and affirm you but isn't isn't that beautiful picture of how jesus wants the church to function Jesus Christ wants every believer to be part of of a church community where there is a leader, there's leaders who are designated by him to care for their soul, to watch over your soul. He, He loves you. Jesus Christ loves you. He purchased you with his own blood. And so he wants you to have loving leaders who watch over your soul. I just love this picture. This is so encouraging to me. So Jerry Shipp, he's, po- he's appointed to watch over my soul. Thanks, brother. Isn't that beautiful? And every believer, Jesus Christ wants there to be a leader who is watching for your soul. Now, sadly, many believers do not have this. One reason is, sadly, there's many believers who aren't really part of a church. Haven't seen the need for that or whatever? And and they they don't experience what Jesus Christ wants for them. Another reason is because, uh, for some believers, church just means going to like a Sunday gathering, and maybe you've got a group of friends over here, a little study over here. But there's really no community where there are leaders who are leaders. Your job is to watch over the souls of these people. And see, our conviction is that every church needs to wrestle with a passage like this and say, how are we going to structure our church so that every person who's here has a leader or leaders who in love and humility and tenderness and strength and wisdom is watching over each believer's soul. And there's, there's lots of right answers to that. Our approach, which we think has lots of strengths to it, is to structure with home groups And so we urge you to do everything you can to be part of a home group because the home group leaders, they are called by Jesus Christ to watch over your soul. That's their calling under Jesus Christ. So see, church isn't just a Sunday gathering. It's not just like a Sunday gathering and maybe you've got a meeting over here or a meeting over there. Church is a community of believers where someone is called by Jesus Christ To watch over your soul. I I love that picture. Jesus loves you. Jesus wants your soul to be watched over. He wants your soul to be encouraged. He wants you to be loved. He wants you to be helped. He wants every one of his flock to have this. And that's what leaders are called to do. Now, next question. What motivates leaders to do this? What motivates leaders to watch over your souls? There's lots of motivations given in the scripture. I mean, they're, they're motivated with zeal for God's glory. They want your life to glorify Christ. They're motivated with love for you. They want you to be helped and strengthened and blessed and encouraged. So all those motivations are good and wise and wonderful, but there's a different motivation mentioned here. This is very sobering. Read verse 17 again. Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So leaders are to keep watch over the souls of others as those who will give an account. Which means the fact that leaders will give an account to the Lord... Of the way they watched over your soul, that's part of the motivational packages. I want to watch over this person. I want to watch over these people. So So let me just talk to the leaders now, okay? The rest of you can listen in. Let's talk to the leaders. I want you to think about this. This is really going to happen. This will happen. When Jesus Christ comes back, this is what's going to take place. One day, you're going to stand before Jesus Christ. And he's going to look at you with, with great love in his eyes. For you. Great love for you. And, and he has great love for those he has put in your charge. So you're going to see this just burning, shining love from Jesus Christ. And, and he's going to say something like, I don't know exactly how it's going to go, but he's going to say something like, thank you for watching over my flock. Let's talk about George. How did you watch over him? Tell me. Tell me about it. Tell me about the times when you prayed for him. No one else saw, but tell me about it. Tell me about that. I mean, he knows, but he wants to wants you to tell him. Tell me about the times when he was discouraged and you called him up and talked to him. The times when he was wandering and you humbly, tenderly called him back. Tell me about the times when, when uh, he was lazy, needed to... Help him get not so lazy. Tell me about times when he was weeping and broken and you, you shared Jesus' grace. Tell, tell me about the times when you shared your struggles with him and your needs with him he built you up. Tell me about, about how you cared for George and, and you will stand before Jesus Christ, leaders, and you will give an account to Jesus Christ for how you watched over the souls that are in your charge. That is huge. Do you feel that, leaders? I've been feeling it this week. It's like, oh, Father, this flock, Jerry and I, and our home group, and oh, Lord, help me. And every leader, every leader, this should send us to our knees. Leaders, if you're feeling like incapable of doing that at this point, you're right. You are. And as we come to the Lord and say, I can't do this, and He will say, You're right. I will help you, and he will help you. He will give you grace to do this. So that's what we do. So leaders, I want to give you a charge here. Watch over the souls that are in your care. Watch over them. Let me just go over again what that would mean. Get to know them, their burdens, their questions, their story, their joys takes time. takes time. Pray for them. Oh, I, I want to pray for you more, church. I want to pray for my home group more. Pray for those that are in your charge. Nobody will see that, but take time to pray. Labor in prayer. You don't know. I've been reading a quote from a, from a uh, pastor in England in the 1700s where something like this. The, the gist of it is we don't know what can happen with one person's earnest wrestling with God in prayer. Earnestly wrestle with God in prayer for those that are in your charge. Encourage them where you see them growing. Encourage them. Do you encourage those that you're watching over their soul? Love how you you call up that person. Love how you're getting time praying. I love I love how you're walking with the Lord. Are you encouraging them? If you see them stumbling, go to them humbly with tears. You're a fellow sinner. We all are in need of the grace of Christ. Go to them. Don't don't be hard. Don't be harsh. Be tender. Be clear. Be strong. Be humble. Be loving. Open up the scriptures. Show them what the scriptures teach. Wrestle with the scriptures with them. Answer their questions. It's not your opinion. It's the, it's the word of God we're talking to people about here. Point them to the grace of Jesus Christ, which is the only way they will be enabled and is the way that they will be enabled to do what the scriptures call us to do. And then affirm them and encourage them and bless them when you see them doing well. The vast majority of this, no one else will ever see you do. But Jesus will see you. He sees. He smiles. And oh, he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And you will have the joy... Of seeing his glory shining from those who, who, whose souls you have watched over forever. You will see Jesus' glory reflecting on those who you've invested in, and somehow that's going to bring you even more joy in him forever. Leaders, watch over the souls of those in your charge as those who will give an account. So powerful. So that's what we leaders need to hear. So leaders, are we hearing that? Okay. And now mainly this verse is directed to those who are not leaders, to everybody else. Okay. And look at what he says. So the question is, how should we respond to, to these leaders? Read verse 17 again. Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will... Have to give an account, let them do this with joy, and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So how should we respond to these leaders? It's by obeying and submitting to them. Now, we live in a, in a democratic culture, okay we We're not comfortable thinking about having to obey people or or submit to people. This is one of the weaknesses of our culture. Now, this whole thing can be totally abused. Okay, We need to be very careful. Leaders can abuse this. Followers can have strange ideas of what this means, like they want somebody, you know, just tell me what to do, micromanage my life. That's not what this is about at all. So let me give you four truths that I think would be helpful to explain what this does mean. First one, what this does mean, and then three for what this does not mean. And then we're going to have some time for questions because there will be lots of questions that come up about how this should look. But do you see the command there? Obey your leaders, And submit to them. That's the command. So let's talk about what that means. First of all, it does mean giving weight, weight to the counsel of your leaders. Giving weight to their their counsel. And after your own personal prayer before the Lord and searching the scriptures and your own thought about it, obeying that counsel. So this is the first point I want to make. This is what it does mean. So let, let's just take an example. Let's say that your home group leader says, hey, let's have coffee. I want to just catch up and see how you're doing. And so you're down at Starbucks Thursday night and, and he's saying, hey, what's going on? How are you? How are you doing? And you're talking about work and talking about family and talking about kids. And and then how's your time with the Lord going? Oh man, my schedule's brutal. I haven't had time to pray haven't had time in the Word. It's been weeks now. Before I've time. And then he's, he's compassionate. Oh, man, that's, that's terrible. Tell me. So you keep talking, and you're talking, and then it turns out that you share that, that well, you, you play computer games for three or four hours every night. And his eyebrows go up, or her eyebrows go up a little bit as he or she hears you say this, and, and your, your, your leader is humbly listening to you, lovingly listening to you. And he hears you say, or she hears you say, that you play computer games three or four hours a night. And so here's what he does with great tenderness and strength, he looks you in the eyes. He says, You have to stop the computer games. It is spiritual suicide for you to not be praying for weeks. And not be feeding on the word of God for weeks. I love you. I'm a fellow sinner with you. But this is serious. And so he, he would urge you with, I trust, humility and tenderness. Think about this. Look at what the scriptures say about needing to pray. Look what the scriptures say about needing the sword of the spirit. We need God's word to feed our souls. Please, stop the computer games until you get into a rhythm. Get, get that rhythm reestablished of time in prayer and time in the word. Now, if your leader said that to you, all of our natural tendency would be to have our hackles rise up and say, who are you to tell me what to do? Does anybody else feel that? Okay. It's just in us. We don't like to have people tell us what to do. And we can say, well, you're judging and, and this and that. The other thing. So what would the author of Hebrews say? He would say, give weight to your leader's counsel. Why? Because he is doing what he's doing knowing that he will give an account to Jesus Christ for your soul. That's why. He'll give an account to Christ. So give weight to his counsel. Pray about his counsel. Look at the scriptures to see if that confirms his counsel. And as you see that his counsel is biblical, obey his counsel. So give weight. Give give weight to the counsel of your leaders. That's, that's what it does mean to obey and submit. It means you give weight. Now, second, very important truth. It does not mean obeying and submitting to your leaders does not mean obeying your leaders over Jesus Christ and his word. Like if your leader said something to you that was against what Jesus taught or urged you to believe something that was not in scripture or that was against scripture... You should not then obey your leader. Now, I don't think that's going to happen here at Mercy Hill Church. We work very hard in terms of how we uh, assess. We have a a rigorous assessment process for our, our deacons. Long application, major assessment with other home group leaders who ask lots of questions. We have an even more rigorous assessment process for elders here. And so I don't think that's going to happen. We're doing all we can. But it it could. It's possible. Talk to us if it does. But even if it doesn't happen here, you may face this sometime in the future. And it's really important that you not misunderstand when the Bible calls followers to obey and submit to leaders. If your leader tells you, Jesus Christ is not the Son of God, not fully man, not fully God, or whatever he says, the leader's wrong. And with Tears in your eyes and regret, you should say, uh, that's wrong. And I, I, I can't follow you in that. And Jesus will smile. And say He'll say to you, well done. And then come talk to the elders or whatever. So, okay, that may raise some more questions. I hope it does. All right, now, um, third, you might think that obeying your leaders and submitting to them means keeping any like different opinions or disagreements to yourself. You could think that. It's not what it means at all. Okay. Let's say that you think, uh, man, our home group hasn't been having very very much prayer time lately. Just like the prayer time's kind of shortchanged and it's not really covering everybody, it's not very deep and, and so you, you just think, man, our home group, we need more prayer time. Okay, so so what should you do with that thought, that opinion? So you think that the the leader needs to do something a little differently here, right? That's what it comes down to. So should you, like, just not say anything because you're supposed to obey and submit? No. It's not what you should do. Or the other thing is you shouldn't just like, well, I'm going to leave the home group then because they're not praying enough. Shouldn't do that either. We're, We're too quick to move on from God's people. We understand that we're a body. We're a family here. See, your home group leader needs your Opinions. Isn't that right, home group leaders? Isn't that right, home group leaders? Your, your home group leader needs your wisdom, needs your thoughts. The elders need your wisdom and your thoughts. We are a body, okay? And you may have exactly the wisdom for how the home group needs to be strengthened. You, junior higher, high schooler, Okay. Seventy-five-year-old person, okay? Or whoever, you might have exactly what God wants the leader to hear. Oh, I've I've loved times when somebody will come to me, come to Jerry, come to both of us and say, such and such, and we'll think, Yes! You're so right. We just haven't seen that. Thank you. They could change in direction. So helpful. So when you have thoughts, when you have opinions, when you have disagreements. To be obedient and to be submissive does not mean you don't share them. It means you, you go to your home group leader and you say, hey, could we talk? It, 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 by the way, it, it, you don't go and talk to everybody else except the home group leader first. Because, see, that creates division. Do you see how that does that? Don't you think that the leader isn't doing a good job? I mean, you maybe wouldn't put it that way, but don't you think we could pray more? And see, what you're, you're making that person either divide from the leader or divide from you. So don't do that. Just go to the leader, right? Unity of the body and say, I'm wondering if we could pray more at our home group meetings. Could we pray longer? Is there a way that we could do that? Prayer. Here's why it's so important. Share some scriptures, whatever. The home group leaders will listen. They will take it in. They'll talk, ask some questions. You'll pray about it together with them. And great good will come out of that. Great good. The home group leaders do not know everything in terms of home group leadership. The elders do not know everything about church leadership. You may have exactly what your home group leader or the elders need to hear. Do you really believe that? You need to believe that. Okay, We are a body. You are a, 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 an essential part of this body. You are. You are. Okay, We need you. Your home group needs you. God may give you exactly the wisdom that your home group needs or that the elders need for that matter. And as you pursue that, great good will come out of that. Okay, now, uh, time for questions? Yes. What questions does this raise? I always like to throw this out in terms of opening it up for questions so that we can, if I've misstated anything or, or maybe misunderstood something from the Scriptures, we can, you know, we're we all under the Scriptures together. So this is the authority, okay? My job is to help you see what's in the Scriptures. So, what questions has this raised in your mind? Yes, sir. Yes. Uh, at one time, the Lord Jesus was saying, uh, "Give what is to Caesar to Caesar, and what is to God to God." Yes. And it seemed like there is a fine line between uh, our spiritual leader in the church and uh, and the political leader of the country. Okay. It's difficult to, to tell the the different who, who to obey, whether to obey Caesar even if he is corrupted or uh, we know that, we know that the obeying the church leader is already understood. We okay. have no question about that. Okay. But also the Apostle Paul mentioned about obeying the leader of the government leaders, government. yes. Yes he did. So, Yes, it is. And I was just reading First Peter chapter four this week where Peter tells his readers to honor the Emperor. This is Rome. and so see I think we should always speak honorably of our political leaders, okay? Even if you disagree with them, we should always speak honorably of our, of our political leaders. We should honor them. And, um, and but if, if the leader if the political leaders call us to disobey Jesus Christ, then we have to disobey the political leaders. It's what Paul did next, chapter five, where they said you've got to stop talking about Jesus, and they said well, we've got to obey God, not men. So that's an extreme case, but just that—that's the framework. So raising some good questions there. Thank you. Other thoughts, questions. Don't be bashful. Josie's got one. Anybody else? We've got a mic over here? Marriage relationship. Uh, What do you guys think? She says it sounds similar to the marriage relationship. I'm sorry? Joe says exactly. Right, and if your husband calls you to do something against Christ, then you say, "I wish I could follow your lead," you are the head of this household, but but Jesus is is my ultimate authority. So I'm sorry, I cannot obey. I cannot follow your lead here. And it's a very honoring thing. It's not a demeaning thing. Um, that's a good. good so there are, there's lots of parallels there. Other other thoughts in terms of what Josie just said, Andrew, you got a thought on that? Take us to the Greek, brother. <laughs> Yes? In this particular context, whereas the, the one used, for example, in Ephesians uh, 5, is respect. It can also be translated in respect, uh, as opposed to submit under the, the marriage jurisdiction. There's, there's similar evidence. Yeah, the word here for obey is not the word, because Paul does use the word obey for wives with husbands in Ephesians 5, hupakuo. This word is patho, which is a, has the idea of, of, of obey in a, in a trusting relationship. There's lots of overlap there. So uh, I'm, I'm not sure there's, I mean, I, I personally, I looked at that, I'm not sure there's a difference between, in, in that way. Maybe there is. You may be onto something. A nuance, maybe. There, there, there may be. Yeah, I wasn't able to see that, but maybe there is one. So it's a good question. Okay, and did I miss somebody else? So what about, like, okay, good, thank you. Jamie, go ahead. I know okay, care. Oh, that's a good question. Yes. Yes. So what is the yes. That's such a great question. Okay, Kayla's exactly right. And and I I hope others of you are thinking that because, and we've talked about this a lot, that we are to be mutually encouraging each other, mutually building each other up, right? Day after day, as long as it is still called today, let's be encouraging each other. Hebrews 3 says, the same book says, we should be encouraging each other every day. You should be part of a Christian community where every day there's encouragement going on back and forth between everybody, okay? Okay. So then what's verse 17 in chapter 13 about? So why why would why would this need to be said if we're all mutually encouraging each other? That's really a, a helpful question to ask. Let's just throw it out there. Why would this need to be said if if everybody's watching over each other's souls anyway? Uh, 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 do, Natasha? You need a CEO. Okay, and and let's get Natasha to the mic and elaborate on that. What does the CEO do? God is a god of order. Yes. And it's about having structure. Um, but my, on that, I had a question. Um, Could you hold that question to see if, and we'll come back to that. Anybody else on on why verse 17 would need to be here if we're already doing Hebrews 3:12 through 14 and encouraging each other? Because that's that's one very good answer. Any other thoughts? Loyalty. Uh, loyalty. What, what do you mean, Joe? Just loyalty to your elders. Okay okay uh there, there, there does need to be leadership like where are we going and that's what elders yes what home group leaders will do so i mean a group of people need to have a sense of we're going in this direction so it's not like just you know all right so that's part of it and i think we also need someone who's asking is everybody's soul being cared for here Somebody who's got a charge given from Jesus Christ that they're responsible to make sure that everybody's soul is being watched over. And a home group leader could say, hey, could you care reach out to this person or whatever that can happen, but you need a, a CEO, you need a quarterback. Okay, that's what, that's what I'm thinking in terms of why. Jason and then, go Jason and then over here. You need somebody who's asking, who's not being taken care of here? Okay. All right. Sarah. Uh, I think it also gives an accountability for those leaders mm. in the same way in the marriage kind uh, of relationship. It's saying, you know, women or wives need to submit, but men need to love as Christ love. Yes. So it's, it's almost giving a framework for how these leaders um, are to be in control of the flock. It's not through um, being this uh, dictator. Right? Yes. Yes, excellent. Thank you. Good. Chuck. I wonder if we're bring up enough about uh, a leader's role as a servant. Christ was very talk to us. Uh, clear about uh you know, the first to be last must be first. Yes. And if you want to be a leader, you have to serve all. Yes. And uh and submit yourself to Christ Yes. So know his heart. Yes. Yes. Well said. Okay now Tash the second question. Here comes the mic. Thanks, guys, who passed around mics. We appreciate it. Uh, I guess my question is: you know, I'm not an addict and I'm not an elder, but I do say maybe I would have a workplace, or maybe I have a small group of women that I'm in leadership over. Yeah. You do, right? Yeah. You could certainly apply that to your so book. Yeah, Natasha has book, book club readers all over the world, right? Yeah. 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 Um, but how does it apply to us? who just go to work every day? Are they our flock? I mean, does it doesn't apply to non-believers, I guess, is what I'm saying. Like, is it just... That well, we, well, that's a good question. I just we should love and care. There are lots of commands about us with people who don't know the Lord. Love them. But I, I don't sense the same formal structure as we have here with with church offices. But keep loving, keep reaching out. Okay, we should we should stop. Okay. But if you have a question, you can shoot me an email. Let me just wrap up by asking two last questions. Why is it so important to obey and submit to your leaders? And again, read verse seventeen obey your leaders and submit to them for they're keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account let them do this with joy and not with groaning for that would be of no advantage to you so if you obey and submit to your leaders as I've described here okay, what it does mean, what it doesn't mean keep that in mind but if you, as we've described here obey and submit to your leaders their watching over you will be with joy it'll be with joy It'll be, it'll be a, a pleasure for them to do. But if you don't obey and submit to your leaders, as we've described here, if you're divisive or if you're rebellious or you're letting things fester so that there's kind of distance and pain, um, then their watching over you will be with groaning. Groaning from sadness, groaning from sorrow, groaning from concern for you. And, and the author says, if they do it with a groaning, that would be of no advantage to you, which means it would be serious for you spiritually. He doesn't, doesn't elaborate, but it's a serious thing. So what does this mean for us? Just two things. First of all, leaders, Mercy Hill Church leaders, okay? Watch over the souls allotted to your care. Watch over the souls of your brothers and sisters. Watch over their souls. Love them. Get to know them. Hear their story. Comfort them. Encourage them. uh, Challenge them. Confront them. Bless them. Thank them. Affirm them. Nurture them. Love them. Watch over their souls. And the rest of us, let's obey and submit to our leaders. As we've described here, what it does mean and what it doesn't mean, let's do that so that their watching over us will be with with joy. Get it, Stan. I want to pray this over us. Lord, I pray. I I would guess some here have had bad experiences with leaders, and this whole topic is excruciatingly painful. I pray that you'd help them see the difference of what godly leadership would be. I pray for those who feel threatened, thinking that they don't want to be part of something where someone's going to be watching over them. I pray that you'd help them see the, the love, Jesus, that you have, where you want every believer to have someone lovingly watching over their soul with tenderness and with care and with strength and with boldness. Please, Lord, change the way our thinking needs to change here so that we are saying yes to what you, Holy Spirit, had this author write in Hebrews 13, 17. I pray that you would touch those who need to talk to their home group leaders about something, that they could do that soon. I pray for those leaders, Lord, who are feeling like they can't do this. I pray that you'd encourage them with who you are. And Lord, I pray that you would pour out your grace. Use leaders, followers together to bring great glory to your name, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.